Hello friends, this is Pastor Bill Clark. Welcome to the podcast. Hello friends are the first two words I begin each message that I get the privilege to share each Sunday. I get to tell my friends about the greatest friend, Jesus Christ. I also consider friends to be one of the greatest gifts a person can have in this earthly life. Most of the episodes will be messages I share each Sunday, but from time to time, I'll invite a friend to share some of their life with us over a beverage. I pray these episodes bless you and help you on this journey of life. God's blessings to you, friend. This is a message I shared on October 24th. It's the last chapter of the book, Why Pray, from John DeRees. The chapter of the book is Building Homes of Prayer Every Day. Let us pray. Lord, I ask you to speak to me this morning. Lord, may the words that come from my mouth give honor to you and your holy word. Please guide me with your words to send and equip this flock to grow your family and show your love. I ask all of this in the name of our crucified Savior, who died and rose for our sins. Amen. Hello, friends. Hello. Well, today we finish up Why Pray. If you stayed on schedule, you would have finished your book on Thursday. But if you didn't, I'm here to tell you it's okay. 40 days of reading about prayer. 40 days of devotion. During those 40 days, did you find yourself going from mere words to a change in your relationship with God through prayer? That was the hope, the intention of the author in the book, Why Pray? The last weeks of devotions from this chapter, building homes of prayer every day. This is also the epilogue of Why Pray? An epilogue is a section at the end of the book that serves as a conclusion to the entire book. The last chapter of Why Pray takes all these previous devotions that we've read and puts them together in this action plan to help us build our homes into homes of prayer every day. The acronym, HOPE. Homes of Prayer Every Day. HOPE. HOPE means anticipation. I read that definition, I immediately thought when I was a little kid, when the Christmas tree goes up, we have anticipation every day, don't we? We're hoping that we get that gift that we've been asking for, but our parents say, nah, we're not gonna get it. But somehow, it ends up underneath the tree on Christmas. As adults, our hope changes just a little bit, doesn't it? We hope that our spouse and our children are safe each day. We hope that our children come home to visit on those special holidays. I know as an adult, I still have hope for my birthday being recognized. We still have that little kid inside us, don't we? We still look forward to those holidays. See, we hope for many things. We get in our golden years. We hope that our good health lasts as long as our days do on earth. Hope has long been a part of our lives. From the time that we're little kids to the time that we leave this earth, we have hope. For the days when our hope wanes, 
and we may feel like there's no hope. The one who created you to have hope still hopes in you. Think about the hope God had for each one of us. If God didn't have hope for his children, how much different our lives would look. Think about this. God even has hope for the people who reject him. The hope of God never changes. John DeRees wrote this on page 217. Nothing will drive out anxiety, depression, fighting, and division as a regular time of prayer and praise together. When you're anxious, praise God and pray. When you're feeling down or worse, you're feeling like you're fighting off depression, praise God and pray. When you're fighting with your spouse, your children, a family member, a friend, maybe a church member, praise God and pray. If you're feeling division between you and another person, praise God and pray. Will praising God and praying instantly cure you or take that pain away? It might. It's not a guarantee, is it? When we praise God and pray, we put our hope in Him. When we praise God and pray, we take our focus off our anxiety, our depression, and our fighting and division. We focus on our hope on God. We place our anxiety, our depression, our fighting, and our division on the shoulders of God. We let so many things keep us from praising God and praying. As I thought about this journey through where I pray, prayer is a simple thing, and yet we have trouble doing it, don't we? It's a simple thing, and yet we have trouble doing it. Usually when something is easy, we get bored and stop doing it, don't we? If something's hard, we get frustrated with it, and we just quit. Prayer is simple, yet difficult. Jesus' instructions to pray were not difficult to understand. There's no one way, one correct way to pray. There are many ways to pray. There are so many things to pray for. I feel like we take this simple thing, prayer, and we make it difficult. We can list excuse after excuse. We can rationalize it. We can minimize it. We fill our schedule so full, we barely have time for anything but a long prayer. I'm so busy. I hear that word all the time. Busy. How are you doing? Busy. How's your family? Busy. How's work? Busy. I'm beginning to like, dislike the word busy. It's almost like the word fine. How are you doing? I'm fine. How's your family? They're fine. How's work? It's fine. I know this after being married this long. If I ask my wife how she's doing and she tells me she's fine, buddy, you better stop what you're doing and start listening. <laughs> Because you know she's anything but fine. The words busy and fine mask and hide our issues, don't they? Problems, hurts, and challenges we face every day. All these things mount up against us and we're anything but fine. 
the word busy and fine. We use them to hide our anxiety, our depression, our fighting, our division, and many other things that are not going well in our lives. Is busy another word we use to hide behind when we're not taking time to praise God and pray? We use the word busy to make prayer harder than it should be. I try to avoid using the word busy. When someone says they're busy to me, I instantly start wondering what's going on in their lives. Busy is this vague term that can hide a lot. So if you tell me you're busy, be prepared for more questions, all right? You see, when things are not going well in our lives, we tend to just bury it, don't we? Let's take on more work. Let's take on more hobbies. Let's take on more volunteer activities. We take on things that are good so we can bury what we don't want to face. But in the end, the issues are still there, aren't they? In Why Pray, author John DeVries gives us four steps to build homes of prayer every day. The first step is prayer as praise. Listen to these words from Psalm 145. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you. And you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him and to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears the cries and saves them. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. And let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. See, John Grease wrote this, Praise of God is not something that happens to us. Rather, it is something that we make happen by a rational decision. How many times, he asked, do you make decisions in your home every day? We make hundreds of them sometimes every day, don't we? Should not praising God be one of those decisions? As I thought about that question, I said, of course. It is a decision we make, but I, it's a decision I, I feel that we make. But I also feel like the busyness of this world and making ourselves busy take our focus away from praising our Lord. When was the last time you were more excited about God than knew whatever you purchased? When was the last time that God brought you off your couch? Like the, like the time that your team scored a winning touchdown goal or a basket. When was the last time you looked forward to church like you were going on vacation? I feel we are excited about God, but what others know that excitement. John Breeze talks about enjoying God and being excited about God. Maybe this book changed your view of God, a God that you fear and wonder about, to a God that you enjoy and are excited about. God can be both. 
The second step of building homes of prayer every day is care. Care is the acronym for saying that says caring and receiving care equally. He wrote, think about how caring and receiving care equally applied to Adam and Eve. God gave the entire world to Adam and Eve. It was perfect. God gave them the entire world as an expression of care for them. God created the world. God created all there was in the world. God created man in his own image. God created the woman to be with the man. And God placed Adam and Eve in the garden to show them how much he cared for them. In return, Adam and Eve were to care for God. They were to show care by obeying him. God gave himself totally in caring for Adam and Eve. And they were to care for God in return by putting their desires aside and loving him through obedience. Adam and Eve received all of God's care, but they didn't return care to God. They had one rule to follow to show care, and they didn't follow it. Adam and Eve demanded the forbidden fruit, and in doing so refused to show care to God. The love relationship and care relationship between Adam and Eve and God was broken. Let me take you back to day three of why pray. We were made and redeemed to pray. Prayer is a relationship in which we first of all recognize who God is and how greatly he is to be praised. And prayer is the means and when we do that. In prayer we are enfolded into God and God is enfolded into us. Care is a two-way relationship, isn't it? We show care to another person and they show care back to us. Tell someone you don't care or show them you don't care and see how much care you receive back. To me, there's no stronger bond between that of a mother and a child. Mothers have a deep sense of care for their children. But over time, if a child doesn't show care back to their mother, the mother's care will start to decline. In our human flesh, this human flesh, it's hard to care for someone who doesn't show care, the same care back to us, isn't it? But there is good news, that God never stops caring for us. God cares more than you can ever understand. God's care is unyielding. It's unwavering. It's unending. The third step in building homes of prayer every day is sharing. A praising, caring family will be a sharing family. John wrote that sharing is an art, a discipline. How many times when our kids were little and you hear them fighting over a toy, without even thinking, we'd say, now share, right? It's a reminder to share. Or on the other hand, when we see our kids actually sharing and doing what we're trying to teach them, we acknowledge it and say, that's a good job for sharing your toys with your friend. We have to learn how to share, don't we? John DeVries says that sharing begins with listening. How many times do we hear the word share as Christians? We brace ourselves, waiting for the next instructions on how we should tell others about the good news that Jesus is my Savior. I remember going on my first mission trip in Honduras, 2005. My first day on the mission trip, I was to share the good news of Jesus Christ to strangers in Spanish. 
The mission organization the night before would give us a script of these bullet points to follow, to share Jesus with the Hondurans. We practiced it the night before and we tried to remember the points. So we're out on the mission the first day. Halfway through the morning, I'm frustrated about the way things are going. I've never done anything like this before. I've never done it in English, and now I'm trying to do it in Spanish for the first time through an interpreter. It was hard. I stumbled through the bullet points of the script. I finally took a break from visiting people at my station, and I sat next to Hollis Volsky. Hollis Volsky is this big old six foot four, barrel chested cattle farmer from Utica, Nebraska. He's sitting right next to me and he's doing the same thing I am. You see, he got my attention because he was having a great time. He had a big smile on his face, he was laughing. Meanwhile, I'm struggling and frustrated. So Hollis finishes up with the people that he's talking to. I walk over to him, ask him how things are going. I ask him, how is it going following the script and the bullet points? He laughed at me and said, hey, I'm just here to make new friends. If I'm doing all the talking, I can't learn about these people to make new friends with them. He said, I just ask them questions and let God Lead me where he wants me to go. John DeRees wrote, As Christians, we need to learn to keep our mouths shut. As I look back on it, all of us understood this. And I learned it. How many times do we listen? I mean, just listen. It's hard, isn't it? We live in a culture and a time where we listen to give a response or defend ourselves or give an answer. I love this meditation on page 237. He writes, Questions are a shovel used to open the ground to plant God's word in a heart. That's what Hollis was doing. He was asking questions and shutting his mouth and listening. Step four, building homes of prayer every day is dare. Dare is the courage to do something. We have a great example of daring today in our gospel reading from Mark about the blind beggar Bartimaeus stoning. As I read the accounts in the gospel about Jesus, I tried to put myself at the scene. How would I react? How would I feel? If I were there, would I re what would I record to tell others? This question popped in my head this week, and I actually asked it during Bible study on Thursday. If you could spend one day with Jesus during his earthly ministry, which day would you pick and why? Think about it for just a moment. If I could spend one day with Jesus, I would choose it to be a day where Jesus and the disciples were traveling from Galilee south of Jerusalem. I'd be able to spend a day with Jesus as he walked along the roads. To see him speak to people as he came to town. To see the faces of those whom he healed. To see him walk with the disciples and teach them and talk with them. To see Jesus hanging out with his closest friends, enjoying a meal and laughing. To see Jesus praying for others. To see Jesus go off by himself to pray and spend time alone. To see Jesus as he listens to the concern and praises of the people. 
Just a day of Jesus walking from town to town. That's what I would choose if I was standing the day of Jesus. Perhaps I would have seen Bartimaeus, the blind beggar, cry out to Jesus as they came to Jericho. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That had to be pretty daring for Bartimaeus. Because he was rebuked right away and told, be quiet. But Bartimaeus is even more daring, and he cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus now hears him and calls Bartimaeus over. The disciples still have to feel this is pretty daring because they tell Bartimaeus, Get up, take heart, get up. He's calling you. We read that Bartimaeus throws off his cloak and goes to Jesus. When Bartimaeus threw off his cloak, he also throws aside the money he had received begging. See, Bartimaeus is sitting by the roadside, and beggars would put their cloak in their lap to catch the money from those who pass by. When Bartimaeus throws his cloak aside, the money was still most likely in that cloak. Pretty daring actions from Bartimaeus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked Bartimaeus. Blind beggar's request was simple. He wanted to see. Without nothing but his word, Jesus has mercy. He gives Bartimaeus his sight, but that's not all. Along with vision came salvation. Jesus said, go on your way. Your faith, your faith has made you well. And with salvation came a place on the road with the one who healed him. He now walked with Jesus along that road. And walking with Jesus, he found himself walking with many others. That would have been something to see. See, this was Jesus' final journey to the city of David, Jerusalem, to follow the will of his Father. He was walking to the cross. He was walking to the tomb. He was walking to the resurrection. And Jesus hears the pleas from Bartimaeus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. When we praise and pray to our Father, we too are calling out to God through faith, and He hears us. When we praise and thank God for all that He's done for us, God hears us. When we plead with God for the things we cannot understand, God hears us. When we ask for God to heal us or a loved one, God hears us. When we cry out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. God hears us. God says, go on your way. Your faith, your faith has made you well. In prayer, we're enfolded. We are surrounded by God like a letter is surrounded by an envelope. In prayer, God surrounds us and we sit in his lap where he hears every word. We speak to him. Seems like just yesterday, my daughters would sit on my lap and I'd read to them. Almost every night we read a book. Every child in their little loves to have books read to them. They climb up to your lap, hand you the book, and they sit and listen to the words as you turn the pages. It didn't matter if it was a new book or the same book we read every night. I read Go Dog Go so many times I can still recite it for you right now. 
It wasn't the book. It was being in Dad's lap. It was being in Dad's lap with his arms around him. Hearing the words, seeing the pictures that gave him comfort. Many times the girls fell asleep before we got to the end of the book. True rest of the child at peace. Sleeping in their father's lap. Enveloped by him. Nothing in the world can get like that. That's what God wants for us. It's pretty simple. My hope is that why pray inspired you and helped you on this journey. My greatest hope is that you saw prayer as simple. Think about this. When's the last time you went seven days without eating? When's the last time you went seven days without sleeping? We eat and we sleep every day, don't we? Because that's the way God designed us. When we get hungry, we eat. When we get tired, we rest. When we get busy in the days of our lives and things pile up on us, we're feeling anxiety and a rest come over us, we get that pit in our stomach. Maybe that pit in your stomach God's way of telling you, give it over to me. Here's my word, read it. Tell me what's going on. Talk to me in prayer. Know there is rest in your life found only in Jesus Christ. Don't go from one Sunday to the next without being in a relationship with God through his word and prayer. That's not the way God made you. Remember, you were made in God's image. So as we conclude, why pray? I'm not a big poem person, but I found this poem about why pray. It's more of a spoken word. It's kind of a, the kids would say a rap. I mean, the guy delivers it. I put the video out on Facebook today, so if you want to look, see it later. But I like to read those words from that spoken word, why pray? It's hard to talk about prayer because people immediately assume they know. They've already made up their mind, already given it a go. We take it at surface value, accepting the superficial definition. A definition defined by society, our jobs, and even our religion. We shut down the possibilities because we limit prayer to our experience. But our experience is not the truth because it was limited by our expectance. And we think that prayers are not relevant, but prayer is the only element, necessary for survival for our development. The Bible doesn't describe prayer as an optional accessory. When you pray or how you pray, it's an absolute necessity. I'm a Christian, but I don't pray. Sounds like quite a contradiction. I'm a guitarist, but I don't play. Now that's a concept we wouldn't listen. To help you understand, let me clarify what prayer isn't. Prayer is not wishful thinking. 
It's not a pastime for the dying. It's not a hobby for good people. It's not performance or triumph. It's not limited to church. It's not wasted time. It's not speaking to yourself trying to convince your mind. We're not listing off a shopping list in hopes that he might come through. He's not a genie in a lamp. He wants a relationship with you. See, we're not praying to a painting of a figure on a cross, but the one who has crossed the gap so that we wouldn't be lost. Still alive today and waiting for us. To not pray is to say, God, I can make it on my own. I'm rejecting the tour guide and climbing the mountain alone. It's scrambling in deep waters, barely managing to float, while he stands on the shore offering a lifeboat. Sure, we can pray when we need things, and when tragedy occurs, we throw up our complaints and all of our blaming words. Is prayer your steering wheel or just your spare tire? Do you pray in good times or just when things are dire? See, prayer is to a Christian what an engine room is to a ship. It's the powerhouse, the motor, and without it, we would sink. Martin Luther said to pray is like taking a breath. If we're not praying, it's a sign that we're spiritually dead. Prayer requires faith. That's believing what we cannot see. It's living in his promise, not our own reality. It's seeing your freedom while still in these chains. It's believing in healing while still feeling pain. Be aware of the spiritual battle. Don't just see the eyes of men. If prayer remains unanswered, pray and pray and pray again. To prayer is a love relationship with God, in which we present our needs and then live in exciting, trust-filled wonder and anticipation of the unexpected ways that God will work. Amen? Let us pray. May the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus as we live in excitement and trust-filled wonder and anticipation of the unexpected ways God will work in our lives in this church.